0: The Bible tells me so. Aren't you glad that He loves you? I'm so glad that He loves me. I'm glad that the Bible said in um, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish have eternal life. Aren't you glad that Jesus gave himself for for us? He shed blood for us that we would not have to be lost. He done that for us, Sister Penny. And as a third or I guess I could say I am a third generation Pentecost, it's easy for me to forget that, where Jesus has brought me from. It's easy for me to forget how God has been so good to me because I was raised in the church. I got a text I'll read in a second. I was raised in the church, Brother David. My earliest memories is the old um, hardwood benches at Star Bethlehem old, in the little church that none of you in this building remembers except for Sister Cheryl. Hardwood floors. Some of my earliest memories in church is being under the back pew asleep. and uh, Brother Brad Giffen's wife, who's my wife's niece, on top of me, her about six months old, jumping up and down my back, about the size of Brooklyn there. Jumping up and down my back beat me, woke me up. Some of my early memories, I was raised in church. I remember all this all my life. This is all I've known is church. I'm not ashamed of that. But I am ashamed of a few other things. Because I've not always lived this way. But I'm thankful. That we can. Get forgiveness. 1 John 1 and 8. You can stand with me if you'd like. I'm so glad to see these young people here tonight. I'm so glad to see us older folks here tonight. Amen. Glad to be in the church. My most powerful scriptures in the Word of the Lord. 1 John 1 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Thank God for verse 9. If we confess our sins, amen. I want somebody to say, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I see no stipulation, period, right there. If a wicked King Ahab can fall in sackcloth and ashes and ask for forgiveness for God and God show him mercy, he can do that for us we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. I just ask that you would touch us here today. Open our hearts, our spirits, God, that you would touch everyone who may listen to this in the podcast later. Lord, I pray that you would touch every person in this congregation tonight. I'm Especially, I'm especially drawn to our young people with what I want to say tonight but God is not limited to that because sometimes us older ones especially those who have been in church for a long time we forget God what you have done for us and I just pray that you would help us today in our heart and our spirit in Jesus name Amen as I said last week Simon Sinek says the why is the purpose cause or belief that drives every one of us Everyone in this place tonight, we have a why. You may not think of have a why, but you have a why. The drug addict that spends every dime, the alcoholic that spends every dime, the um, person who's addicted to uh, gambling spends every dime, they have a why. Why do they spend all their money? They have a fix they want to get fixed. Something in them they're trying to fulfill. Unfortunately, that why, every one of us has, for a lot of us, it's very unfocused, or it's focused on the wrong thing. As I said last week, I want to say this again. I think it is is my personal opinion that many do not know their why or the importance of why we should live for God. And so it creates weak Christians that spend a lifetime struggling in their walk with God. You've got to know why you're doing this. I started this off tonight with talking about how I was raised in this thing all my life. And I can be, I'll be very honest to you and I I would like you young people to listen to me tonight because I always did not embrace this and I was raised around it. And I didn't always know why I'd done what I'd done. And that's why I'm starting this midweek series that I'm, I'm calling This Is Why. And tonight, I'm going to add something to that. And this is why I repent. This is why I repent. You see, I was raised in church all my life. To be honest with you, a lot of people can tell you the exact place that they repented for the very first time. I have absolutely no idea the first time I ever repented. The reason being because I've always been in church. Church was just what we done. I didn't, uh, I've heard the saying and maybe it's laughable, but it's the truth for me. Mom and dad did have me on drugs. They drugged me to church. I didn't have a choice. I didn't say, well, I don't feel good and and then everybody stays home or whatever. No, we're going to church. We'll slap some oil on you and pray for you. You'll be okay. Your leg broke. Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's patch it up and go to church. Now, it might not have been that bad, but we went to church. That's just what we've done. Um, and I honestly don't know. I can't, I can't recall in my early years the first time that I ever really knelt and prayed and asked God to forgive me of my sins. It just, I guess perhaps I did it at some time in my life, Sister Penny, but I don't know. But probably some of my earliest memories of, of um, really thinking about the church because it's just what we've done. We go to church, we worship, we've done all that stuff. I remember being 8, 9, something like that and waking up I'm waking up, I guess, coming to myself, laying on the floor. And everybody's strangely looking down at me because I had just got done speaking in tongues for the very first time at 8, 9 years old. And I remember that probably as well. I don't know, if maybe I repented somewhere close to that. But shortly after that, my family, we had people who, and my family did not go to church regular. My dad's sister, Aunt Phil, you guys know her. When I was young, I didn't remember my Aunt Phil in church. She didn't go to church. If she did, it was Easter or, or something like that. Occasionally her son, Joy, would go with me. And my Uncle David, he never went to church. That was her husband. And um, he had a lot of bad, perverted ideals in his, his, his thinking. And uh, so I, I would go to Joy's house, and we'd get in trouble. So at probably 11 years old or so, I, I really got away from church. I, I still went because I didn't have a choice. <laughs> Whether No matter how I acted, I didn't act like it was my mom and daddy. I learned to be the hypocrite, Brother Texas. I learned to be the hypocrite. I learned how to act at church. I learned how to shout and worship. And then I also learned how to cuss and smoke everywhere else. So I, I knew. I, I, I became that hypocrite at a very young age, and I, I'm. I told you I'm just going to bare my heart here tonight. Especially if I want our young people to hear this. And, and I, I got to the point that I, I did know what it was like. To to uh, um, be that hypocrite, I, I I promise you. You know, we go to church. This is what we done at church. We we shouted. We we do like we did. The boys would come up one side, or people would get up there shouting, and and you know, and I'm thankful that we didn't have the internet back then because I would have been addicted to pornography. Because the best we could do as a kid, when it comes to pornography, hoping that that Uncle David left something somewhere that we could pick up and look at. I go to my Uncle Curtis's house every once in a while, my mom's brother-in-law's house, and he was worse than my Uncle David, okay? And my cousin Tony, he was uh, something else. He got in church for a long time. He's not right now, but uh, I'm just bearing my heart because I'm going to tell you why I repent, why I live a repented lifestyle now. Because I was raised in this thing all my life. But at that age 11 or so, I got out of church, but nobody knew it. Except my cousins and my brother. And maybe some other ones like that. Because I knew how to play the game at church. And I knew how to go and act like I was a good church boy. And this carried on for a little while. And my brother at that time was not in church. And he didn't care if anybody knew he wasn't in church. It comes to you heard my brother's testimony before, but he didn't care. Finally, one day, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember my brother pulling me to the side and saying, Daniel, you better get in church or get out. You can't play this game. He's probably 16 or so. Guess what I done? I got out. I didn't play the game at church like I used to as much. I'd sit on the back pew back there, sit at the buddies. But I got in a lot of trouble. And um, 12 years old, stood before a judge. It wasn't that big, huge of a deal, but a 12-year-old, and the judge looks at you and says, How old are you, son? Twelve. <laughs> I was about five foot. I was heavy set. We had my cousin, two of my cousins I was talking about, my brother and two more of our friends. We had broke into the school stole some stuff we've been out carousing acting crazy all that night you'd think that straightened you up a little bit but it didn't I, I continued this same journey and again I'm thankful that I did not have access to internet back then because I would have been addicted to pornography because my first experience of ever ever seeing I'm gonna be a little plain I but it's okay my first experience ever being uh seeing anything sexual was one of my cousins saying, hey, come here. And him and another one of my cousins in a bathroom together. And I'm like, what is this? Nobody had any clothes on. It started me on a bad journey through my life with a lot of things. But I'm thankful for that. The internet was not here, but I, I was lost. Raised in church, but I was lost. But yet, my mom and them had no idea. I knew what it was like to hide cigarettes from mom. Bought my first joint behind the church for a dollar. Okay? One of the trustees of the church's son sold it to me. I know what it's like to have one of your best friends at church say, Hey, man, I've never been high. Hey, come down here and spend the night with me, okay? Okay? he spent the night with me and the first time he'd ever got high we'd smoke some pot and um, he got high that night see I, I, I could handle it but it took Kevin on a journey because the first time he ever got high he was with me I got away from it but Brother David he didn't it took him down a road that Kevin died what how many years ago two or three could have been longer than that he died early 40's I guess I don't know if he ever really had a walk with God. And a lot of times I wonder if I could have, I mean, Kevin was determined he was going to find some drugs somewhere, but it didn't have to be with me the first time. So I know what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to be a sinner. And so I finally decided, you know, I'm going to to do better. I smoked for about two or three years. My young, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. I kind of got back in church, but I was still playing that game. I wasn't real serious. Um, some of you have heard this part of my testimony, but not every one of you, especially some of the young people. And when I was 16 years old, I was a senior in high school. The year was 1987. It was 33 years ago this month. I was on the trade school bus, heading from school to trade school, And I said a word that I should not have said. It was not what we call a four-letter word that everybody goes like, oh, you shouldn't have said that, but it's a word I shouldn't have said. I'll never forget, Brother David, the guy that I went to school with all my life, he looked at me and he said, I thought you were a Christian. And Christians are not supposed to talk that way. And I'll never forget that day, as long as I live, I wish I'd wrote that date down. But then, 16-year-old boy, something happened to me. And I went straight from the trade school bus, straight to the bathroom in the trade school in Madisonville, Kentucky. There's not even a trade school there now. They, don't, they use it for something else. But I remember grabbing that sink, pressed in and looking at myself, crying and weeping and saying, I do not want to be this person that I see. I didn't repent, you see. The first time that I remember, I don't remember when I really repented. Now I had a lot of times when I was, you know, during that time that I thought I was going to get in trouble. I'd done a lot of repenting, you know. God help me, but to, to really say the first time I ever really got a hold of repentance in my life, where it was, I decided that I'm going to do something. I'm not going to be this person that I'm being, and I'm going to change. It was that day in September 33 years ago in front of that? mirror in the bathroom at trade school in Madisonville, Kentucky and I looked at myself and said, I do not want to be this person that I see anymore. And I repented that day. And since that time I have not been perfect, I promise you. I not had it all together. But that is when repentance really come to revelation to me and realizing okay, you can't say that I repented at an altar and then go to school and act like that. It's not, not real repentance. That's not real change because repentance is when we actually decide I'm not going to do that no more. I'm not going to act like that no more. Does that mean I'm not, that I'm not going to fall back? No. I fell back into some things in my life. I fell back into some issues in my life. And I I wasn't perfect, but at that age of 16, that's when I really decided I'm going to try my best to live for God. And the truth be known, probably not to the last several years of my life have I really got a greater revelation of what it really means to repent. But not only repent, but also to live a repentive lifestyle. Because there's a difference between repenting and saying I'm sorry, getting up, walking away, and, and telling me, I got saved last night. Because what we really want to say to somebody, I said, I got saved last night. Well, you're still here? You, I, if you got saved, that means you went to heaven. Because that's really the only time we're ever going to know that we're saved. So until that time, I. this is why I repent. Because I want to make heaven my home. Because there is a difference between a sinner and a saint. And you guys have heard me say this, but some of you kids here today need to hear this. There's a difference between a sinner and a saint. Because both of them sin. All Christians, born again children of God, are going to sin. Because on your best day, you're still human. And that's why, Brother Texas, I strive every day of my life to search my heart and say, Jesus, if there's anything inside of me, make it manifest that I can know that I can get it out of me. Because I must repent every day. The reason is because repentance brings my relationship back to God and fixes it. Because that's really what repentance is between two different people. Because if me and Brother Texas has an issue, if I go tell him I'm sorry, what I'm really doing is I'm repenting to him. I'm telling him I'm sorry for whatever the issue is. So I'm trying to fix our relationship between each other. And that's what repentance is. So every day, the most important thing in my life, why I repent, the most important thing in my life, I love my beautiful wife, but it's not me and her. It's me and God. I've got to make sure. We, we hear it all the time. Paul said, I die daily. And, and we use that typology. That Paul said, every day I die out to this old man. I die out to who?" We have to do that. And the difference between that sinner and saint is we sin. Both of us sin. But... We go and say, God, I messed up today. Amen. Yeah. Lord, I got angry at my wife and I got mouthed at her. Now, I'm not going to cuss her. Maybe you might, but I don't cuss and I ain't cussed in, I don't know how many years. I have no idea. It might have been the last time is when I said that word on, on the bus. That's been 33 years ago but i i say too much i got i got mad i, I, I responded wrong so i got i got to say god I, I messed up would you forgive me and then i go to her and say would you forgive me i make amends now the difference when, a, when a, a sinner well most of them they don't care they don't care all right so i'm i this has never happened thank god to me and i'm i hope it never does uh Click on a website and all of a sudden this naked picture pops up. I would go repent. Even though I might not have done anything. I'd say, God, I didn't mean for that to happen. Would you please forgive and make sure any of that's out of my mind? If that happened to me, you know what I'd do? I'd say, Sister Cheryl, come close this. so I don't have a chance of doing that. Because I know my flesh. Because I have to repent every day. I've got to fix my... I've got to get myself... In that place where I keep the relationship between men. This is why I repent. I repent because I want my relationship with Jesus right. Amen. And if I don't strive to repent every day in my life, repentance is not a one time thing and coming. And saying, Lord, will you forgive me of all my sins and I'll walk away from it. That is not, that is repentance, but that is not what's going to keep our relationship right with God. It takes us every day striving to keep our relationship right with God. This is why we must pray every day. I found this quote by uh, Dieter Uchtdorf, I guess. I don't know, it's a weird name, okay. But I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the heavens will not be filled with those who never made mistakes but with those who recognize that they were of course off course and who corrected their ways to get back in the light of gospel of truth. Because here's the thing. The reason I repent every day and the reason there's a difference between me, a saint, who does sin but ask God to forgive me and the sinner who, who sins and just keeps on sinning is 1 John 2, 1 and 2. He... John said, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. But then he says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. That word means intercessor. That means someone summons to one side, one who pleads for another cause before a judge. With the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation which is atonement or appeasing, or uh, Corbin's got his pacifier, When he gets fussy, we put the pacifier in his mouth and it calms him down. This is also another word for the propitiation. He becomes a pacifier for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what does this do? Jesus, if I make a mistake, this man, Christ Jesus, okay? The man, Christ Jesus. Or we could say, the blood of Jesus, which was the sacrifice for our sins, that is what covers our sins. Okay? First Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Leviticus seventeen eleven says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given to you an open, uh, given to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. The only way we can get our sins taken care of is we repent to Jesus and the man, the one that went to the cross and shed his blood, the flesh, that's the purpose of the flesh, the body. That's why He came in flesh. There had to be blood to cover that sin. And if we don't understand that, it's just simple like this, folks, okay? The very first sin that ever happened in the Garden of Eden, what happened? God put coats on them. Where did them coats come from? My opinion, there were two lambs that were sacrificed. And blood was shed. And them, them, uh, them coats that they put on them, blood was shed. And that's what we see all the way throughout the Bible. Always had to be blood sacrificed to cover the sins of people. Jesus said, that's not enough. This is not working. So what did He do? He said, I'll become the ultimate sacrifice. God wrapped Himself in flesh. The one God wrapped Himself, made Himself a fleshly body. That flesh contained blood on the cross of Calvary. That's why I, I, I sung that one ago, Jesus loves me. That's why, uh, that, that, that's why I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Xavier, the only thing that's going to cover your sin is the blood of Jesus. Amen. And the only way to get the blood of Jesus applied to your life, son, is you say, God, I'm sorry. And once we say we're sorry, this is what we say. He says, "He yeah, advocate for the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. So this is how it works, okay? Let me show you how this works. Here's the judge. Come on, judge. Right there, judge. Let's see your judge look. I knew it. There you go. How many have ever had that judge look? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have messed up. I forgot to do something. What was it? What did I do? What did I mess up? Be kind, Judge. (laughs) You (laughs) were blinking too loud that day. I messed up. I've done something. Whatever it was, I messed up. I had a dream. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, have mercy. If, not, if your wife has never, if never had a dream that you've been with some other woman, you, whew, honey, I wasn't there. Doesn't matter. She had a dream. She dreamed that she that that you know last night I was with this girl, this woman, and I'm like, no, I didn't. So all of a sudden, this is what happened. I plead and say I didn't do it, but me, myself, I cannot make up the difference to the judge. So, all of a sudden, the blood comes in. The man Christ Jesus. All right? Now, to understand, the judge is God. Don't think I'm preaching any Trinity or, or triune God here. I'm talking about the man Christ Jesus. The representation of the man Christ Jesus is all about the blood. Because the blood is what made the atonement for my sin. And if I don't plead the blood of Jesus and say, look, I'm, when I begin to repent and say, I am sorry, and you really mean that, all of a sudden the blood comes in that was shed at Calvary and does exactly like that. It covers, from the judge's eyes, any sin I've ever done. Alright? I hope that makes sense. Because that's what happens. That's why I've got to repent every day. That's why I've got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because on my best day, I'm human. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I am by nature a grumpy smart aleck. <laughs> Can I get an amen, family? Amen. I'm by nature a grumpy smart aleck. And I find when I don't pray as much, or I don't seek God as much, guess what happens to me? I beca- that becomes flowing out of me again. Or if I get myself in that precarious area that, that I, I, I'm off guard, guess what begins to come out of me? That begins to come out of me. I begin to be grumpy or I begin to be a smart aleck. tell people all the time I'm a, I'm a rehabilitating smart aleck. <laughs> but why I do this repentance is I have to keep... I, I was on the way to work and I was praying about it, so I couldn't write it down, so I got my notes out and... Spoke it on my notes. And this is what I wrote today. You see, repentance is this. Repentance is a self-examination of myself. Because I can't repent... Let me put it this way. I will not repent of something that I don't think I've done wrong. I will never... I may tell you I'm sorry because... If you're a kid, you may tell your brother or sister you're sorry because you don't want to be duct tape to them for an hour. Alright? <laughs> because you'll go ahead and say, I'm sorry, because you don't want to get in tr- trouble no more. But you can't really be sorry until you see that you've done wrong. Amen. So repentance starts with a self-examination of yourself. and It is realizing that you messed up when it comes to initial repentance, it's somebody, when they, they hear the gospel preached, they, or somebody tells them about the gospel, a revelation hits them. Wow, I'm lost. Just like in the book of Acts, when Peter got up and preached, what happened? They realized, oh my goodness, we crucified the Lord of glory. What must we do now to be saved? Amen. And the very first words out of Peter was what? Repent. Repent. When John the Baptist came on the scene, on, on the scene bringing in uh, uh, bringing in that Jesus fixing to come, what was John the Baptist's message? Anybody know? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus say when He came? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven. What did He send His disciples out telling them to do? Tell them to repent. It has to be our absolute first works in my opinion, it's got to be something we've got to do every day. Why? This is why I repent. Because I must keep myself in the right place with God. And repentance, now listen to this. Real repentance is bedded in truth and honesty with yourself and with God. Because you will not truly repent if you're not honest that you have a problem. Now, I'm telling you right now, as I said earlier, yeah, at 16 years years old, 33 years ago this month is when I think I really, truly first repented and started a journey that, that has brought me to where I am here today, standing here before you all. But through that journey, there's been a lot more repenting. There's been a lot more times asking God, I'm sorry. Three or four or five years ago, I don't know how long ago it was. Some of y'all heard me talk about this. Sister Cheryl's dealt with a lot of emotional issues. And part of it stems back to where before we got married, we were uh, doing things we shouldn't have done. Um, I'm going to be playing with you guys because you hear plain stuff. Some of you heard me talk about this stuff before, but I'm going to talk about it again here today. Uh, we both were married. Tip, you know? You know, by the standards, we were both virgins, okay? But we had pulled around and done things we shouldn't have done. And that being because I'm a little older and stupider because I'm a guy. That's how us works sometimes. Uh, it was my fault that we'd done them things. So she did a lot of emotional things because she came from just a little bit a stricter family than I came from. And um, so she was feeling like, oh, God, I'm going to die but, and I'm going to be lost because this is going on in my life. Well, see, at 16, I repented. This was after 16, okay? But yet, I'm still striving to live for God. And so, I'm dealing with all this So We, we go through life and not till after Bethany gets older and, and not, nothing like that, but some guy was doing some stupid stuff, whatever, and I'm all upset. And it's like, well, did you get upset with our deal? And you're like, no all of a sudden the revelation hit me like oh my God most of her emotional issues she'd been dealing with my fault so I lay in bed for 30 minutes crying uncontrollably repenting and asking her to forgive me and that that started a journey for me to look at who I am different because what I realized brother David is I had went I don't know Nearly 20 years of ignoring that fact. There was things that I need to repent to her about and to repent to God about and had been ignoring it for 20 years. You know, you know I'm thankful that we have a graceful, merciful God because I've often wondered if God came back in the middle of that, would, he, would I have been lost? Thank God He's merciful. But Brother David, during, during that time, it, it done something to my world. It made me realize... Daniel, true repentance in your life is not just saying every day, "Oh God, search my heart." God, make sure that make sure that. And I, I try to go through this every day and pray, God, make sure there's nothing. If, if there's something going on in my life that, that I'm not seeing. I you don't know how many times I had prayed that and, and had never fessed up to that to her and to God. Oh God, finally he did. You know he had to hit on my eyes. Hit on my eyes. Because real repentance cannot happen in our life until we see ourselves for who we are. Yes, you. And young people, this is what I'm trying to tell you. If at 11 or 12 years old, I would have caught that revelation of, why are you playing this game? I would have caught, probably would have saved her a lot of emotional issues. I would have been more ready to, to walk the walk God had for me to do. I wouldn't have, I might not have, at 20 years old when God called me to preach, I might not have said, No, I'm not going to preach, and ran for 25 years. I might have been like my son at 15 and accepted that calling. You know, that's all behind, that's water watering the bridge. It doesn't matter. But what I am trying to do is, you can learn from me today. You know why I repent like I do now? I, I, I search my heart, and I, I try to be brutally honest with myself, Brother David, and say, God, I pray, This is the kind of prayer, prayer I say, God. If I am doing something wrong, if if I, God, if something's going on and I am missing it, this is my repentance prayer. God, let Brother White come tell me. Let somebody come tell me you are doing wrong, so I can fix it. Yeah. Because until I am honest with myself, I cannot be honest with God. And this is what real repentance is about. And I'm going to tell you what. Real repentance, it is rooted in truth and honesty. First with yourself and then with God. This is the thing. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, We know this, for Godless sorrow worketh repentance for, to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. We have to have God. I'm really sorry, God. God, I'm sorry. And it's all based off of this word, this book. It has to be off this book. That's why David said, I, I hid your word in my heart, God, that I might not sin against you. I've read the word through 20 times. And when I get done this year, it will be 21 times. What a shame to have all that word that I've read through my life and, and yet not let that word become that mirror because that's where that repentance you can't repent if you don't know what you've done wrong. Amen. Amen. Right. So if I have the Word in me, or I have somebody else teaching me about what repentance is. I know this is totally unorthodox tonight. I've I got some notes. I'm not using a whole lot, but I'm preaching, for, talking, whatever from my heart. Because I want these young people to know. Look, 17? Almost 17? How old are you? 13, 15? Almost 15? I notice it's always almost. almost. You're eight, right? Nine. Nine. That's when I got the Holy Ghost for the first time. So it's your time, sweetie. hmm But listen, at that age, you, you need to start it now. Put in your heart that this is what I'm going to repent. I'm going to give my all to God. Because here's the power of repentance to God. Okay, some of us here today, we've come from lifestyles, and I've shared some of mine today. I'm not real proud of some of that stuff, and there's a whole lot more that I can tell you. And honestly, that the stuff I'm talking about with me and my wife is extremely embarrassing on my part because I was just being a big idiot. Okay, an idiot that was just being run, been controlled by his flesh. And thank God that He opened my eyes to that. And it's helped her a lot through her life now. To have some of that. It's helped helped our relationship with each other. When I finally became honest with her. And poured my guts out to her. And then I was able to be honest with God with that. Okay? But here's the beautiful thing about it. When the lifestyles that we came out of. Well... You may you may remember me telling you about this story tonight, but he don't. Right. All right, he don't remember this because when we truly repent of something, it's gone, brother David. It's gone. All right, listen, uh, Shannon Aldi said, "Your dignity your dignity can be mocked, abused, compromised, toyed with, lord, and even bad-mouthed, but it can never be taken from you." You have the power today to reset your boundaries, restore your image, start fresh with renewed values, and rebuild what has happened to you in the past. You know how we have the power to do that? Through repentance. Alright? A.W. Pink says, it's not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it which distinguishes the child of God from empty professors. When you really grieve over the fact of what's happened to your life, what you've done and how, how you've wronged God and how you've wronged man. When we really get that godly sorrow and we realize, oh God, help me God, and we really truly repent and get that, it changes our world. Amen. amen. Brother, brother uh, Bobby Wade said it the other day, and I made mention to, it, to this congregation here about how uh, that that he believes that the Lord told him the reason we're dealing with this plague throughout the world is because of, basically, he didn't say it this way, but this is what he was meaning, of the unrepentance of this world. And right before this Scripture, if my people are called by my name, will we'll, uh, repent and humble themselves. Right before that, it talks about the plague. This is a plague. And if we could just learn to repent, really, really repent, it brings healing to our land yes, amen. because here's the thing brother texas i am convinced if i can live a repentive lifestyle every day what that does that brings my relationship with god to where it needs to be and you know what that does to me sister penny what that does it gives me peace amen. it fine. gives me faith it gives me trust it makes me happy. It gives me joy. It brings all that stuff back into my world and back into my life. And I have found, when I start straying too far from God, that stuff begins to leave me. Alright? Just like, I was talking to my coworker today and he was, he was talking... Uh, I don't know. He just catches me once in a while, and we get to talking. So I, I got to talk to him about church, and he said, "Man, I, I don't know how you balance it all, church and and, and family, got a new grandbaby, and all." I don't know how you balance all. I said, "It's not easy, man. That's why I needed that vacation last week, you know." And I said, "It's tough, you know." But uh, I don't know. Just letting one thing or another, and then, and and uh, and I got an opportunity to witness to him about how God called me to preach. And, and I told him that story about how, uh, where I was at and where God called me and all this stuff. And all of a sudden he said, oh man, i got cold chills running all up. And he was getting, kind of getting excited about it. And all. You, see, God gives this stuff in our life for a testimony to tell other people. And, and, and what I realized is, at work, I had lost some of that stuff because I had gotten so stressed, so maxed out, I forgot some basics. Your pastor of the church has been past for fifteen years. I don't care what I am. I'm human on my best Amen. day. Amen. And this is why I'm trying to be very transparent and honest with you. If I, thirty three years in this thing, I'm still, and you know what? I've talked to enough preachers and stuff. They were all this way. Okay, we're human. So if you think it's going to fix you totally right off, no. It's a constant work. This is why I repent. I should have had on there every day. Because it's a struggle. I gotta keep my relationship with God right because if it's not right, none of my other relationships are right. Amen. Amen. And I was telling about how I'd get close to God and I'd feel Him calling me to preach again. And I said, Oh no. that point when Sister Cheryl finally said would you preach you're driving me crazy alright why because I get close to God and I feel that essence of what he wanted me to do and I'm like oh no I don't want to do that and I would back off and I have do it I had to repent God this is what you call me to do and I'm not doing it to that day finally August the 12th 1996 Jacob was about 6 months old And what is the parking lot now of Star Bethlehem? I remember the day well, throwing my arms up in the air and saying, Okay, God, I surrender. I'll preach. We were praying outside in that parking lot to be the future parking lot. It wasn't a parking lot yet. And immediately, something I'd never felt in my entire world hit me because I surrendered myself to God. And this is what happens when you really repent. You're surrendering yourself to God because you can't really repent unless you surrender and say, "Okay, God, this is me." I remember Jacob preached a sermon in very young, and I think he entitled it "Naked and Not Ashamed." You see, because that's how Adam and Eve was before God; they were naked and not ashamed. They were not afraid to stand before God Almighty with their nakedness because they didn't have to worry about anything. But once they had sinned, sin took that innocence away from them. Sin made them look inside instead of the God. And that sin, that's why they tried to cover themselves up and they couldn't stand before God in total innocence and say, Okay, God, here I am. No, they had to hide, cover themselves up, and that's what sin does. And as long as sin is there in our life, we cannot have that that relationship with God. We've got to be able to go before God totally, completely and say, okay, God, this is me. And you know what? He's like, I knew that all along. You can't hide from me anyway. I wanted you to realize that's who you are and then be willing to come to me and say, okay, God, take it and fix it. Because this is this is how that's how it's supposed to work. Because if you've never, I've made mention of her a couple times lately, and I'll be done in just a moment. Her name is Corey Ten Boom. She helped hide the Jews during the um, Nazi war, German war, whatever. And um, she said this. She got a powerful book, The Hiding Place. I'll listen to it. But if you have a chance to read it or listen to it, you should listen to that book or read it. It's powerful. She said, Four marks of true repentance are acknowledgement of wrong, willingness to confess it, willingness to abandon it, and willingness to make restitution. That in itself is what real repentance is. And the thing is, repentance is one of the most important doctrines of the Bible yet we find that many times so many people Christians do not understand and we completely ignore it. And if you're not every day striving to repent then that might be why you're sad. That might be why you're struggling. Because this is how it works. I go to him and I start making my petitions to God saying, say oh God I want this, I want that. And God's thinking, yeah, you do, but why are you ignoring this? And it cripples God from helping us. Because like he says, you, you think about the scripture when he says, you go to the altar and you realize you got all against your brother. He says, you might as well leave that gift on the altar and go fix it first before you come back to me because I'm not doing nothing for you. Because you've got some unresolved issues you need to fix. So, every day, we need to strive to repent. And this is why I repent. Do I do it perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I was just being transparent and honest with you a second ago how We've been so busy with work. We've been so busy with so many things. We've been going, seeing Cheryl's dad a couple of days a week. Um, COVID has been crazy. I'm, I'm, I'll be real honest. i been worried about the church. I'd like to see more people to church. I'd like to get some more outreach, stuff like that going on. But then you walk around and you're so tired and you think, oh God. I'm 50. It ain't the same as it was when I was 35. It's different. So, I found my place in that burnout and the week before I went on vacation <laughs> I didn't have a good week at work. I'm just going to be honest with you. If I hadn't had that vacation where I had time to wind down Brother David and not quit looking at everybody else and I took that week and looked at Daniel and I realized where Daniel was with a lot of things and I realized like, hmm. I can't fix them. <laughs> but I can me. Because that's what repentance does. It helps fix me. And, and this is what we need. To fix ourself. And this is what repentance does. And that's... When Peter got up and preached, I made mention that I'll, I'll be done if Bethany wants to come this way. I got all kinds of notes I ain't looked at touched, touch. But I knew I was going to Be talking from my heart tonight about because this is the whole point of this series. Here is this is why I could give you a lot of Bible theology, and I have some, but I want you to hear from a personal experience that this is why I repent. I was raised in this, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand when I was young, when I was these kids' age, how God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I mean. If somebody get in the right place, you can, they can get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get enough spirit around somebody, they're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? If there's any halfway submission in their life, they're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, alright? But here's the thing. I didn't understand it. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. So I'm telling you, figure it out. Because ultimately, this, this is why... I want to make it through my home. And what a sad thing. If I stood before him, Brother David. Said, the Lord, I started the church. I, I see Donnie and. I, I see Sister Odie Hub. Saved him before we got here, but Sometimes, it stuff. I've known this the whole time, but I'm glad you're recognizing. Now, I'll fix it. he's on fixing that, so, okay? Paul said, I, 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 I asked him three times. He said, I'm sorry, son. I'm going to hang over that. Thank you. So, Sometimes we got to pay. If you're not-